I wanted to mention a couple of resources that are out there that you may not be familiar with. I meant to mention this one before. Jerry Marcellino has written an excellent little book on uh, family worship that is, is uh, very uh, accessible. And I think that a lot of young men who have families, they would love to do family worship. They never had it modeled for them growing up. They're not quite sure how to do it. And he does just a great job demystifying it and showing how doable it is. Uh, some other books on parenting issues. Uh, this one, Get Out of My Face by Rick Horn. This was, uh, was written uh, for parents of, of teens that are disinterested, unmotivated, uh, how to move them with biblical counsel. And uh, Rick does a great job. He's a counselor. He spent his uh, 30 years counseling uh, teenagers. And uh, he does a great job at really uh, uh, writing a book that is both doable steps, practical steps, but also is gospel-centered. Sometimes books are full of doable steps, but they could have been written by a Mormon. And then there are some books that are very gospel-centered, but there's no practical steps. How do I do it? And he's done a great job of combining both of those things in that book. Another book by Rick, Get Off of My Case, and this book is really for parents who are dealing with a, dis, with a teenager who is dug in his heels, who is rejecting Christianity, who is rejecting parental authority. And how does a parent sustain himself, hold his faith in God, continue to minister to that very rebellious child? And great encouragements in that book for parents who are facing that. You may know someone like that who, who uh, would benefit from that book. This book, Everyday Talk, Talking Freely and natu Naturally with My Kids About God, written by John Yance, is, uh, was, is uh, just a, a uh, testimony to the value of this, is when Piper's ministry had a conference a number of words, uh, years ago about words and using words, uh, they gave away 3,000 copies of this book, which I think is a very great testimony to its value. He's written another book, Everyday Talk, about sex and marriage, and uh, uh, is really an excellent book for really how to carry on a continuing conversation throughout your children's years about the topics of sexuality and marriage. Speaking of which, uh, this book by Dave Harvey, When Sinners Say I Do, uh, talks about the real problem of marriage, and it's, not, you know, it's the fact that you have two sinners who have married one another, and uh, they both need to extend grace and give grace to each other, Dave does a great job with that in this book. There also is a study guide that goes with this if you wanted to do it as a small group. And there's a set of, um, I think it's eight half-hour DVD uh, videos uh, talking about that material as well. Well, in this hour, we're going to talk about wives uh, respecting their husbands. Let me just pray with you and ask for God to be with us. We've had a long day, and uh, I, I, I know that after a while, we've heard so much at a conference, you feel like there are things I'm trying to remember I don't want to lose track of, and yet I'm getting more and more. So let me just pray with you that God will give us renewed strength. We come to you, Lord, uh, this afternoon with the promise of uh, Isaiah 40 on our hearts that those who wait upon the Lord will find renewed strength. And so we pray that uh, you would help us to be able to focus again for a few minutes on on uh, this topic of marriage and learn things that you have for us to learn uh, about marriage. We pray, Lord, for your grace. We need you. And we pray that you would give us grace and wisdom as we look at your word. Open, our, open up the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Uh, uh, shine your light into us. Enable us to see ourselves and our needs. And uh, 
work, Lord, to cause this weekend to be a weekend that is a transformative weekend for our families. We pray this for Christ's glory. Amen. Well, last session we talked about the husband's call to love his wife like Christ loved the church. And uh, it's not a command for wives to be lovable or wives to be uh, lovely. It's, It's an unconditional, unilateral command for husbands to love their wives with agape love, love that is measured and demonstrated in sacrifice. And uh, if any of, any of us are ever tempted to think, I can't love that way because she's not lovely, you have to think of Christ. He loved you in, with that kind of love in spite of the fact that you are not lovely. And he lays down his life for his bride. If he only died for the lovable on this planet, none of us would be saved. Uh, thankfully, he lays down his life for sinners. This hour, we want to talk about the wife's command to respect her husband. Uh, and, and I'm persuaded that if husbands were loving their wives like Christ loved the church, if, if wives are respecting their husbands in the ways we'll talk about in this hour, our homes would be places of safety and places of gracious fellowship and sweet companionship, and they would be a powerful witness to the power and grace of the gospel. As I said in the last hour, one of the greatest apologetics we could make for Christian marriage is to do Christian marriage in ways that honor God and have marriages that are exemplary examples in our homes and in our communities of the grace and power of the gospel. The key text that I want to think about in this session is the 33rd verse of this chapter we'll focus on first is, uh, however, each of you must love his wife like he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It's very interesting. Passage dealing with marriage. Husbands are called to love. Wives are called to respect. And it's striking. The the same apostle who gave us the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that is often recited at weddings, uh, nowhere in his epistles does he call wives to love their husbands with agape love. Think, Think of all the books and all the studies that have been done on how wives can love their husbands. When the Bible nowhere commands a wife to have agape love toward her husband. And you might be thinking to yourself, now wait a minute, Ted, isn't there that passage in Titus? Titus 2, it says that older women are to teach younger women to love their husbands and their children. And it does, but it's a different word. It's the word phileo. It's the word for brotherly love, for familial love, for filial love. It's not the word agape, which is love that is measured and in sacrifice. It's a different word that is used in Titus chapter 2. See, husbands are called to that self-sacrificing love for their wives, but wives are not commanded to that same self-sacrificing love for their husbands. And we could ask ourselves the question, why would that be the case? And I can only speculate because I don't have any uh, chapter or verse I can give you for this, but here are some possible answers to the question. Uh, One is that it's a command that Husbands need to hear uh, the command to love. Husbands need to hear that command because husbands tend to be hard-hearted. They tend to be, be self-centered, and therefore God commands husbands to love their wives in ways that are self-emptying and self-sacrificing, the kind of love that caused Christ to lay down his life for the church. 
And it's interesting, if you watch the differences between men and women, uh, if, if uh, the family gets a uh, tidy little sum back from the IRS uh, for a tax return, and uh, you know they've got $1,000 to get back on the tax return, the husband and wife decide, okay, we can each split that money, we can spend it uh, any way we want. The wife goes to Target and she buys $500 worth of stuff for the house and for the family, and the husband goes to bath. Bass Pro Shop and buys himself a new fishing pole. I mean, think about that. I mean, you know that's what happens. Men and women are just so very different. And a man immediately, ah, oh, this is a bonanza. What can I get for myself? And the wife is, oh, what can I get for the family? There's a radical difference between the way that men and women are wired. Another reason, perhaps, why the command for men to love their, their wives is because wives need to be loved. Wives long to be loved. Wives long to know that their man delights in them, that he esteems her, that, 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 that she, she is the apple of his eye. There's nothing that he would hold back from being utterly and, and completely devoted to her and to her alone. She needs to feel loved in that way. And women are not commanded to love, I would suggest, because women tend to be more nurturing than their, their husbands. There's a nurturing quality to a woman that's not often present in a man. I mean, self-sacrificing love is a natural and a very normal response of a woman toward her husband and toward her family. It's the way women are, are, are wired. Unless you're a woman who's become discouraged or embittered towards your husband or actually given yourself and your affections to another man and so your affections have become alienated, Loving your family, loving your husband, loving your, is something you naturally tend to do. So perhaps those are the reasons why wives are not commanded to exhibit agape love toward, her, toward their husbands. But in the case of marriage, God has given very specific commands. And it's fascinating to me that he commands us to do what does not come naturally for us. It does not come naturally for a man to love his wife in self-sacrificing ways. He needs a command to do that. It doesn't come naturally for a wife to respect her husbands. And so wives, you're called to respect your husband. You're called to res and your husbands need respect in the same way that you need love. I remember counseling a couple a number of years ago and uh, this, the wife was talking to her husband, and, and she blurted out in the midst of the counseling, she said, I have loved you in every way that I have desired to be loved. And, and she was right. She had loved in every way that she had desired to be loved. And that was the heart of some of the problems they had in their marriage, because her husband's needs were different. They need to be loved in different ways. Malcolm uh, Emerson Eggeridge in his uh, book says, the wife has a need to be loved like you need oxygen to breathe. And if her husband comes along like a two-ton elephant and stands on her air hose, she's going to kick and scream and do whatever she has to do so that she can get the oxygen she needs in order to breathe. And so wives try to motivate their husbands to love them by loving their husbands. They love their husbands in all the ways that they desire to be loved. Now, if you ask 100 women, what is the key to marriage? What is the key to a good marriage? And uh, what makes you feel loved? What makes you feel really cared for by your husband? And women will respond, the key to a good marriage is communication. For a wife, love means 
You talk to me. You listen to me. You, my words matter, and you care about what I say. So wives love to keep things current with their husbands. In fact, wives will say to their husbands, Honey, we need to plan our days so we can spend time every day talking about our relationship so we don't have big problems with our relationship. Now, the husband's hearing this, and he's thinking, if we need to talk about this every day, then we already have big problems with our relationship. <laughs> so when a wife realizes her husband is not talking, she moves toward him to get him to talk. So she talks more, and she demands more talk, and she tries to build relationships with him that involve talking. And so he comes home from work, and, and she follows him around the house as he's putting his things down and she reports on her day and she tells him about what happened today and what the kids did and what, the, what happened and what the neighbors were doing and, and she describes the day in, 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 in excruciating detail <laughs> and, and she gets done with her whole report of the day and she says, how was your day, honey? And he says, fine. <laughs> well, what happened? Nothing, just a day. You see, he has no need to talk like she has. And most wives don't see the fact that he has no need to talk as a difference between men and women. She sees it as an act of hostility toward her. You know, if you don't want to talk to me, why are you, you know, and, and she responds to that like, an, like it's an act of hostility. We need to talk. Don't walk away from me. Where are you going? Be a man. Come back here and talk to me. And you know, just an observation to make here that when a woman feels not uh, unloved, she withholds respect. And when a man feels unrespected, he withholds love. Because men need respect, just like wives need love. And that's why Ephesians, I think that's why Ephesians 5, verse 33, commands wives to respect their husbands. Let me just say parenthetically, for those of you who have teenage sons at home, the same thing is true with your teenage boys. If you treat your teenage boys without respect, they will withdraw from you. And it breaks a mother's heart when they see their teenage sons pulling away. But if the, it, you, when he's a young teenage, he's a young man, he's growing into manhood. You need to engage him. Now, you're still his mother. You're an authority in his life. But you need to engage him in ways that show respect for the fact that he's a young man and he's not a little boy. And if you treat him like a little boy, he will pull away from you. And it'll break your heart. But that's how men respond to not being respected. And so uh, the, the reason that there's a difference in these commands is there's a difference in the ways that men and women respond. And those differences are very important for us to understand. Now, what does it mean for a wife to respect her husband? Last hour I quoted from Walter Trobisch. Let me quote from Nancy Wilson. Respect is a demeanor that should characterize wives in all their conduct toward their husbands and in all their communication to or about their husbands. This means courtesy in the home where the husband is treated with honor. Why Christian wives must show respect by treating their husbands with honor and courtesy in their role as the head of the family. They must also show respect in many little ways each day that demonstrates how they love their hus or respect their husbands. 
This can mean following through with the husband's requests instead of putting it at the end of the to-do list. This kind of respect is simply a courtesy that springs from gratitude and love. Respect and communication includes how wives talk to their husbands and how they talk about them. This kind of respect is shown on a daily basis. When a wife speaks to her husband, she should not speak as though she's talking to one of her kids. Her tone should be courteous and kind, not critical, sharp, or flippant. Likewise, when her friends hear her speak of her husband, they should note that the law of kindness is on her lips and not railing and complaining. Rather than sharing his weaknesses and faults or other problems, she should speak, to him, speak of him kindly, saying things that would please him to hear her say. Consider Proverbs 31.12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. This husband receives positive blessings from his wife every day. The heart of her husband safely trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Again, this husband is confident in the character of his wife. She brings him nothing but good things. He knows that she is not telling others things that she, that she should not. His heart is safe with her. She is trustworthy. This is a blessed husband because he has a respectful, courteous, kind wife who lovingly considers his interest ahead of her own. What husband would not be thankful for such a wife? In fact, in the Proverbs, he praises her as a source of tremendous blessing for the whole family. There's a natural tendency for men to withdraw from relationships or situations where they feel disrespected. When a man feels disrespected, he withdraws. Men do this instinctively. If there's disrespect going around, he won't go there. Now, if you watch men of goodwill, when they're even in having banter toward one another, they're not disrespectful of one another. And comments that are flippant and discourteous and challenging and cynical and cutting and biting are disrespectful. And if you disrespect your husband, he will withdraw from you. And I'm not excusing, I'm not excusing his pride. I'm not excusing his failure to lead at that point. I'm, I'm, I'm simply pointing out the fact that that when you disrespect him, you're standing on his air hose, and he's going to withdraw so he can breathe. And when a woman is upset, she wants to talk. When a man is upset, he withdraws. Now, she might even get him to the sofa to talk at that point, but he's sitting there with his arms crossed. He's listening. He has nothing to say because he does not, he's not going to venture into a conversation where he's being disrespected. If he feels like you're angry with me and you're going to be ripping me to shreds right now, he, he, if he's a man of goodwill, he will withdraw. He's not going to tear you to shreds, but he will withdraw. He will pull back. And if you ask 100, 100 men, what do they want from the people at work? Do you want them to love you or do you want them to respect you? How does a man respond? He says, I don't care if they love me or not. I want them to respect me. You ask a hundred women that question, you'll get a very different answer. But men want to be respected. And the model for respect in this passage is the church. So that takes us back up to verse 24. As Christ submits to the, the, the church, excuse me, as the church submits to Christ, 
so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Submission is shown in, in, in uh, respect is shown in submission to the husband in everything, in things great or small, agreeable or disagreeable. It's only when he requires something that is contrary to the word of God that she should refuse to submit. If she may reason with him in things that are inconvenient, but a wife is to respect her husband and his wishes in all things. A wife's respect is to be given in ways that are cheerful, in ways that are free, in ways that are willing, just like Sarah in the Old Testament is a model for us. We'll look at that passage in a minute, 1 Peter 3, that showed respect to her husband by calling him Lord. Her respect was freely and willingly given. If she's a model for us of respect in 1 Peter 3, 6. Not only does the church respect Christ in all things and do so cheerfully and completely, but it's also modeled in the way that the physical body respects the head. You know, the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the body. You know, your, your, your arm will receive a blow in order to protect the head. Uh, it instinctively will do that in order to protect the head. And in this, uh, the, the, wherever the head decides to go, your body goes. Your body follows the head. And in the same way, in the, in the family, it's ludicrous for the head to go in one direction and for the body to go in the other direction. Uh, and I'm persuaded that if, if wives would respect their husbands in the ways that, that are described here in, in Ephesians chapter 5, we would be amazed at the results. Often in counseling, I'll, I'll, if I have a couple that are really struggling, and, and uh, I'll, I'll say to the husband and the wife, but I'll, I've observed this so many times with wives, I'll say, for the next few minutes, I just want you to tell me things that you find admirable and, and uh, uh, things that you really respect and appreciate in your husband. Because often, you know, when you're having marital conflicts, you get focused on the things that you don't like and you forget about the things that are so commendable. And I'll, and I'll watch men. This guy is sitting there, you know, and he's, he would rather be on the backside of the moon than in the counseling office with me. <laughs> and his wife starts to describe things that she respects in him, qualities that he has that are good qualities. And you see him begin to relax and a little curl in his lips. And he is, is just like this guy suddenly comes alive because he's hearing his wife reflect on things that she genuinely appreciates in him. And it's like a balm to his soul. And, and sometimes I'll say to wives, why don't you ever tell your husband the things that you respect in him? Why don't you, why don't you share this with him more often? It's such a great benefit for him to hear these things. And she says, well, I don't want him to feel like he's arrived. I want him to just keep working. <laughs> and she's afraid, you know, if I give him any commendation, then he's going to get lazy. So I want to keep him, you know, keep him trying harder. Uh, the opposite is true. If you, if, you, if you express appreciation for your husband, genuine, I'm not talking about flattery, genuine, uh, plausible uh, appreciation for him and his qualities he will, he will die for you, just like a wife will walk over hot coals for a husband who loves her. Now, uh, so husbands are called 
to love their wives, to, or excuse me, wives are called to respect their husbands in all the ways that, we, that we, we've, we've just been thinking of. And, and of course, you know, there are two huge problems you have. They're the same problems we looked at last time. Uh, what if he's not respectable? Uh, and I've had this conversation with women many times in teaching this material. What, 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 am I to respect him even when he's being a jerk? Well, not all husbands are easy to respect. I mean, difficult circumstances can arise, and a wife may find, may find it difficult to respect uh, her husband when otherwise... Uh, respectable man behaves in foolish ways. It's sad and it's, it's destructive. And the scripture doesn't deny that, that uh, stupid behavior is unbecoming to a man. And, and that folly can include financial irresponsibility, uh, laziness, unwise comments, uh, uh, irrational behavior, poor decisions, uh, unfaithfulness in many areas, uh, spiritual coldness. I mean, the scripture is very speaks very clearly about sin. It doesn't require wives to to pretend that their husbands have never haven't acted foolishly when they really have. But wives must view their husbands' folly in the same way the scripture views it, obviously. But the command to respect the husband is an unconditional command. Uh, that, I often find that as shocking with wives because they'll say, respect is earned. If he doesn't act respectable, I don't respect him. You're wrong. The command for you to respect your husband is just as unconditional as the command is for him to love you. It's not conditioned on you being lovable. And respecting your husband is not conditioned on him being respectable. It doesn't say, uh, respect your husband. If he is wise, if he's spiritually minded, if he's kind, if he's gracious, uh, the command to respect is an unconditional command. You're to respect him and treat him as your head and treat him with respect. It's unconditional, just like the command for the husband is unconditional. A wife must, the passage says, in 533, respect her husband. Well, the second Part of the problem, of course, is that you are not always a respectful person. You're part of a fallen race of people. And there's a pride and arrogance in you that makes it very hard for you to respect your husband, especially if he's acting like a jerk. And you may face cynicism. You may feel anger or resentment uh, toward him. You may experience hurt and deep disappointment But God calls you to respect him. And one of the problems you have is that you're a sinner and you can't be the person that you're called to be apart from God's grace. And I think we need to, to recognize that in spite of the struggles that you may face in doing this, God calls you to do something you cannot do apart from grace. And it's only the grace of God and the grace of the gospel that will enable you to respect your husband as you ought to respect him. And we have to continually be preaching the gospel to ourselves and reminding ourselves of all that Christ has done for us, that Christ has fully fulfilled the law of God for us. So you don't have to struggle with guilt that somehow I've got to get my act together and God must really be sick of me with all my pride and my arrogance. If you're repenting and cast yourself on Christ, you're totally forgiven and God sees you through the the lens of Christ's perfect obedience 
and, and you're free from the guilt of failure, that your failure has been dealt with in Christ. Christ has taken the punishment of God for you. Uh, you're forgiven. And of course, there's this another wonderful aspect of true Christian theology is the fact that not only are you forgiven, but Christ, Christ has fulfilled all righteousness for us. So that the righteous requirement of the law that you respect your husband has been fully met by Christ in your behalf. Because so, Christ fully respected the Father. He always did the Father's will. He always obeyed. He always satisfied all all, every aspect of obedience to the law of God, and he was full of respect and submission to the Father. So if you're, if you're in Christ, you have the, the blessing that uh, we have his righteousness in the place of the guilt of our sin, and we, uh, and we have his fulfillment of all righteousness for us, so that the, 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 his righteousness, the place of our failure and the, and the fulfillment of the complete payment for our failure has been made on the cross. We can set our hearts at rest before God. But I want to, I want to pose the question that I posed with husbands. With husbands, I asked the question, what keeps you from loving your wife in any specific moment? And the answer that I think we, uh, we see in that and that I gave you was that I'm too full of myself and not believing that Christ is all I need at this moment. I think I need something else. So I turn to something else to give me happiness and joy rather than sacrificially laying down my life for my, my wife. But So I want to answer that question in a moment. Uh, but, but I also want to acknowledge that uh, just before we get to that, that sometimes our failure to submit is motivated by rebellion. I mean, maybe the problem is just as simple as I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Whatever, whatever the case, we know we're wrong in that. We know our consciences condemn us, so we can't be rebellious in our response. But First Peter, I think, provides a more subtle answer to us for why wives sometimes struggle with respect and I think it's incredibly, it's incredible insight if you get a hold of it. Now let me read for you from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through verse 6. He says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, or the wearing of gold jewelry, and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way holy women of the past who put their hope in God made themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So Peter, Peter provides a more subtle answer than just the problem is just being rebellious and not being willing to submit. And there are two important things I want for us to see in this passage. He's, he, she says, this is the way holy women of old who put their hope in God made themselves beautiful. They, they did not give way to fear. See, putting your hope in God, the opposite of putting your hope in God is giving way to fear. 
And the reason you don't respect your husband as you ought to respect him is often fear. You're afraid of what will happen to our family if he keeps behaving in this way. What's going to happen to our family under the leadership of this foolish, irresponsible, lazy, angry, sullen man, whatever, you fill in the blank. And you think, if we continue like this, we don't have a chance. And fear is often behind a wife's failure to respect her husband. So rather than the Lord Jesus Christ being your main hope of blessing and goodness coming to your family, your hope becomes persuading this husband that he's wrong-headed and stupid, he's, he needs to listen to me, and he needs to stop being so foolish, and somehow getting him to change becomes the hope for the family. And so you move toward him in disrespectful ways because you're convinced the salvation of your family is going to be you coming to your husband and getting him to stop being so foolish and stop being so stupid and stop being so wrong-headed and impatient and angry and so forth. The only way to turn from that, the only way to not give way to fear is to put your hope in God. It's by believing I'm not going to be saved. Our family is not going to be saved. Our family is not going to be safe. It's not going to grow. It's not going to be the family it ought to be because I get him to somehow understand. My hope is in God. My hope of things going well for me, even when I submit myself to this foolish man, is in God. And I'm going to be safe because, because none that put their hope in God will be condemned. And my hope is in God and God's mercy and God's grace to us in Christ. Now, let me nuance this for you because I think this nuance is very important. There may be points at which it is necessary for a wife to say, I, ref I refuse to accept your disrespectful ways of speaking to me. And I want to censure that. And I'm not going to protect you. I'm not going to hide it. We're going to take it to the elders. We're going to expose it to the leaders that God has put over us. But I'm not going to pretend that this is not happening. Or I'm not going to respect your, your drug abuse and keep it a secret and make it possible for you to do this and have no one know it. I'm not going to make it work for you. What keeps wives from doing that often? It's fear. It's just another shape of fear. It's the fear that if I do that, everything's going to blow up and it's all going to be a mess and what's going to happen to our family? And hoping in God sometimes is going to mean standing in opposition to evil. And I'm not suggesting that we hope in God in some nirvana sort of way, you know, Pollyanna, you know, I'm just hoping in God and we're not going to address anything that needs to be addressed in family life. I'm not suggesting that. I don't want to be heard as saying that. But, but why do people remain in abusive situations? They remain in abusive situations because of fear. Because they're not finding hope in God. And hoping in God sometimes means facing the ugly things that are going on head on and saying, we're going to get the help of the church here. We're going to get the help. We're going to go outside our family for help. But I'm not going to continue to pretend that this doesn't exist. I'm not going to have you abusing the children verbally or physically or any other way and, not, and, and make this work for us. I'm not going to hide it. And what keeps wives from even taking those bold steps is often fear. And what... Peter is calling us to is putting our hope in God because for a wife to say to her husband, I refuse to accept you uh, speaking in those abusive ways to our kids 
is a way that a wife can find hope in God in that situation. And it's a way to avoid giving way to fear. But, what, but see, that, that refusal to accept uh, abusive talk, for example, in the family can be done in a way that is not disrespectful. Where a wife is saying, honey, I love you. I'm committed to you and I'm committed to our family. But I'm not going to stand by and act like this is not happening. We're going to get help. And I'm going to go to the elders and we're going to seek help. Because I, I am not willing to accept this. So I think even, even that kind of a challenge can be done in ways that are very respectful. You don't have to be disrespectful and get on your high horse and, and you know, uh, respond in disrespectful ways. But the issue of fear is such a huge issue, I think, for women. And the realization that Christ is what I need to be happy. And Christ is what our family needs for us to be safe. And Jesus can help us and he will help us. And my temptation is to move toward my husband in disrespect is really surrendering to that temptation not to entrust myself to Christ. In the words of 1 Peter, it's giving way to fear. And fear is where I go when I fail to put my hope in God. And what God is calling wives to in this passage is respect for their husbands and the only way you're going to be able to respect him is if you put your hope in God and do not give way to fear. Because fear is what's behind disrespect in marriages. And it could be on either end of the continuum. It could be on the continuum of, of, uh, of, of, of failing to confront wickedness that ought to be confronted. Or it can be on the other end of the continuum of, of, uh, of, of, you know, just being arrogant and proud, prideful, but it's giving way to fear that causes, that, that, that is behind disrespect in the family. And you see, the reasons you, you're disrespectful in certain situations is because you believe you have to have something other than Christ in order to survive and be happy. It might be concerned for your reputation Concern for saving face, uh, somehow getting him to understand, but whatever it is, it's your functional Lord and Savior at that point. And the way to be a respectful wife is not by trying harder, but it's by applying the gospel. It's by repenting of your failure to put your hope in God. It's by repenting of your failure to see that you're not saved. And your family is not going to be safe because You've gotten him to wise up, but it's going to be the grace and mercy of God that's going to care for your family. And what we need to repent of is not only the failure to get it right, but also our failure to enjoy God and delight in God and relish all that God is for us in Christ. So we need to be repenting of believing that something other than God is necessary for us to be happy. And something other than God is necessary for the deliverance that we long for. We need to seek our happiness in Him. Because if if you're finding your happiness in Christ, if your hope is in God, if you're resting in God and God's care and God's protection, and that God will work in your family and in your life, if you're resting in that, you're going to be respecting your husband. And, And you're going to be believing the gospel 
and, and, the, and you're going to be able to pray for him in those moments of temptation and weakness and even pray, for, pray to, for God's grace in those moments. Lord, here I am. I'm struggling. Help me to love you as I ought to. Help me to believe in the gospel. Help me to, to hope in God. Help me not to give way to fear. Help me to trust you. And even if I have to confront my husband, to do it in ways that are respectful and gracious because I'm hoping in God and my faith is in God and my hope is in God. If you do that, great blessing will be brought to your family. The powerful model of submission is Christ. Remember how that in his greatest moment of need, he was filled with dread. Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. He was so overwhelmed with fear and dread bearing our sins that he had to have angels come and minister to him in the garden in order for him to have the strength to go to the cross. But in that hour of need, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And it's in his grace and his goodness that you can entrust yourself to the just judge and respect your husband and not give way to fear. Let me pray with you. Father, we ask that you would deepen our insights into these very simple callings, the calling of a husband to love his wife, the calling of a wife to respect her husband. Help us, Lord, to uh, grow in understanding these callings. I pray for my sisters here. You would help them to be like Sarah, like these holy women of old who put their hope in God, whose hope was God and who did not give way to fear. We pray for your grace and for your help. We ask this for Christ's glory. Amen.